Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, there are some things in life that you cannot do without. Things that if you, you lost them, you would need to find them in order to fulfill your responsibilities. Think of, for example, something like keys. Maybe you've had it where you've, you've, you're about to leave for work or, or church or some other e- event or something and, and you suddenly realize that your keys are missing. Well, what do you do? Well, you, you maybe panic a little bit, don't you? And you start to run around the house looking for your keys and, and you, you say to your, your spouse, have you, have you seen my keys? Or your kids, have you, have you seen my, key, my keys? Can you help me find my keys? Because you need your keys to fulfill your responsibilities in life. Well, our passage this morning, Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 6, is about finding something else that we cannot do without. Something actually far more important, even, than keys. You see, this passage is about finding wisdom. And all of us need wisdom. Without wisdom, we cannot really live. At least we can't live properly. We can't live the way that God has made us to live in the way that He calls us to live. We cannot really live well without wisdom. You see, wisdom is the skill of applying God's Word to our lives so that we live to the glory of God. It is really thinking, speaking, and doing the right thing in the light of knowing God. So it, it doesn't come apart. Wisdom does not come apart. Biblical wisdom does not come apart from knowing God. But it's, not also, it's also not the same as knowing God. It's not the same as knowing God just in our head. It's, it's the right use. Wisdom is the right use of that knowledge in our daily lives so that all we think and say and do pleases God. It glorifies God. Wisdom is, as one writer put it, truth applied in specific situations for godly ends. Truth applied in specific situations for godly ends. It's, it's kind of like riding a bike. Children, when you learn to, to ride a bike uh, without training wheels, your, your dad or mom, they, they try and tell you how, how to do it, don't they? Don't lean too far to the side. And and when you stop, make sure you put your feet on the ground. When you go up a big hill, make sure you you put it in in low gear so that it's easier. So they give you all these instructions to to tell you how you're supposed to ride a bike. And you have all this knowledge. but, But there comes a time, doesn't there, when you have to now put that knowledge into practice. You need to start pedaling and, and, and apply the knowledge that you've, you've learned. You need to gain skill in riding your bike in all kinds of situations. Hills, bike trails, curves, and everything else. Well, that's it's kind of like what wisdom is. It's the skill of, of, of living to the glory of God by applying the, the word of God to all and in all of life for His glory. That's the way He made us to live. That's the way He calls us to live. The problem is that by nature, as, as fallen sinners, we don't have this kind of wisdom. Even as Christians, we can lack wisdom. 
We can lack skill in applying the word of God to our lives and, and living it out. And that's why a, a passage like Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 6, and really the whole book of Proverbs itself is, is so important and so helpful because it, it teaches us wisdom. It's about finding. This passage particularly is about finding wisdom, and we all need to find it. Also, young people need to find wisdom. So we hope to consider our, our text and under the theme this morning, finding wisdom with God's help. We will consider three main thoughts. First of all, the search for wisdom. And secondly, the discovery of wisdom. And thirdly, the giver of wisdom. So first notice the search for wisdom. We see that in verses 1 through 4, don't we? My son, he says, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hidden treasures. What are these verses describing? Well, they're describing the search, a search for wisdom. And we can see at least four things from this text about how we're to search for wisdom. First, we're to search for it humbly. Searching for wisdom, you see, starts with humbly confessing we don't have it by nature. These are the words of a father to a son. He is, he's telling his son to find wisdom, to search for it. Well, what does that tell us? It tells us that his son wasn't born wise. He didn't naturally inherit wisdom. He didn't naturally have the skill to apply truth to all of life, to the glory of God. He needed to search for it. And that's where it really begins. The search for wisdom begins with humbly accepting and confessing that we don't have it by nature. And this is vital, beloved. You see, if you have wisdom, if you think you have wisdom, you'll never search for it. You know, when I worked in construction, the first thing we did every morning is we came to the shop and we would load up all that we needed for the particular job that we were going to and we'd load all the tools and the supplies that we needed and, and some days we would make the mistake of, of thinking that we had everything when we didn't. And after an hour drive to the job site, when you get there and you realize that you don't have everything you need, well, that's never a good feeling. I mean, sometimes you can improvise, but... But other times you, you can't. I didn't have, we didn't have it in that case because we didn't search for it. And we didn't search for it because we thought we had it already. We need to start by admitting that we lack wisdom in ourselves. This is an important reminder because how often don't we live as if, as if we have it? How many mornings do we just wake up and, and just assume that we have wisdom, that we have what it takes to live to the glory of God, to live well for His praise? The reality is, beloved, that we're not born wise. That's true of all of us. Also, you children and, and young people. It's common for young people to think they're pretty wise. But our text reminds you, and it reminds me too, that, that we're not by nature. That's why we need to search for wisdom. And that's also important for us to remember as parents. Are we like the father in this passage? 
do we humbly train our children up in the way they should go? Do you urge your children to find wisdom, to read the Bible, to read the scriptures, which are able to make them truly wise, wise unto salvation? Wisdom is not inherited. It must be found. We must search for wisdom, and we must search for it with humility. That means confessing that we don't have wisdom by nature, but it also means, and this is the second thing about searching for wisdom, it also means listening. Listening. Look again at verses 1 and 2. My son, he says, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. These verses, congregation, describe really intentional listening. And listening starts with, with receiving words, right? Not, not, not just anybody's words here in this context, but the text says, my words. Who, who are my words? What do my words refer to? Well, in one sense, they, they refer to the rest of the book of Proverbs. Remember, this is Solomon, at least in the beginning of Proverbs, it's, it's Solomon speaking. And, and so you can, you can think of my words as referring to the whole book of Proverbs. And that's, it's full of, of wisdom. But more generally, we can also say that my words refers to the word of God, the whole word of God. Because it's, it's not just Solomon speaking, it's really God through Solomon speaking here in this text. So that means we need to receive, we need to listen to the word of God. Are we doing that, congregation? Are you doing that, young people? Are you receiving are you reading His Word? Listening begins with receiving God's Word, but there's more involved. We're not to just receive it, but we're, we're not to just read it and then forget it, but we're to meditate on it. We're, we're to, to even really memorize God's Word as, as, as we are able to. That's what Solomon is saying when he, when he says, And hide my commandments with thee. He's saying, treasure them in your heart. Children, when you want to, to keep something safe that's very precious to you, what do you do? You hide it somewhere, right? You look for the best place to put it, to store it, to keep it. Well, where is the best place to store God's Word? It's not on your shelf or your desk. It's not on your computer. It's not even on your phone. The best place to store God's Word is within you, with you. In your heart. Why? Well, because as we sang earlier, Psalm 119 tells us, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. I remember the very first Bible I received. My parents put this quote, you've maybe heard it before, reading this book will keep you from sin. Sin will keep you from reading this book. And the point was not just that simple reading keeps us from sin, but reading it and receiving it. You see, that's, that's the purpose and, and listening to it. That's the purpose of receiving and hiding God's word in our hearts. It's so that we would not sin, so that we would live to his glory. It's so that we would really listen to it. That's what our text says in verse, verse 2. So that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. What does that mean? What does is, what is inclining your ear really mean? It means to listen intently, doesn't it? It means to pay attention. 
students, you do this, you do this when the teacher is explaining what will be on tomorrow's test. You sit up, all of a sudden you, you pay attention, you, you take notes for, for reference later. You apply your heart to what the teacher is saying. You strain that you don't want to miss a single word. You bend your whole being. You devote yourself, your mind, your, your emotions, your will to listening you ask questions for, to, to, to get more clarity if there's something that confuses you. This takes effort, congregation. It takes work. And that's what we are to do with the Word of God. The result of all of our reading God's Word, of hearing sermons and meditating and memorizing the Word of God should be this, that we're really listening, listening, listening to wisdom. We must search for wisdom with humility, we must listen to wisdom. And we must also search for it by prayer. By prayer. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, Yea, if thou criest after knowledge, and liftest up thy voice for understanding. And these words, knowledge and understanding, they're, they're synonyms really here in the book of Proverbs for, under, for, for wisdom. And they, they can help us better understand it. What wisdom is. See, in order to apply the word of God to all of life for his glory, we need understanding. We need to know what glorifies God, don't we? We need discernment, the ability to know what's right and what's wrong, what's, what's real and what's counterfeit. And we need to pray for those things. We need to cry for them. That's what our text is saying. We need to lift up our voices for them the way that, that blind Bartimaeus cried out and lifted up his voice to Jesus for mercy. Matthew Henry writes here, we must cry after knowledge as one that is ready to perish for hunger begs hard for bread. Faint desires will not prevail. We must be, he says, importunate or persistent as those that know the worth of knowledge and our own want, our own lack of it. We must search for wisdom humbly and prayerfully and and, and listening to wisdom. And lastly, also diligently. Verse 4. If thou seekest her as silver, and searchest for her as hidden treasures. Well, children, where do you find silver? Where do you find hidden treasures? Usually under the ground, in a mine somewhere. Hidden treasures are often buried. They are hard to find. You, you need to dig for it. That requires sweaty determination to find it. It requires an unwillingness to give up. It requires relentless resolve. The, the point is we must search diligently for wisdom. That's what verse 4 is saying. No matter how hard it may seem to, fi- it may seem to, to be to find it. No matter how much work it involves or, or how long it, it takes. Whatever, no matter what stands in the way. Do you have that hunger? Do you have that desire? Are you striving to, 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 to find wisdom? We cannot live rightly. We cannot live rightly without wisdom, without applying the word of God to all of life for his glory. But maybe you, you, you hear about all this work, this, this, we have to be diligent, to pray for it, we have to be humble, we have to listen, and that takes effort, and you hear that, and you wonder, is it worth it? Is it worth it? The answer in our text is actually a resounding yes. This brings us to our second point, the discovery of wisdom. 
Look at verse 5. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. What a glorious then. There is a then for those who search for wisdom. Those who search for wisdom in the way of verses 1 through, the way that one, verses 1 through 4 describe it, they will discover it. It's, it's a certain discovery. That's what our text makes clear. When, when you search for wisdom humbly, prayerfully, diligently, listening to it, you will find it. That's what our text is saying. It's, it's a promise. Then you shall understand. You shall find. What an encouragement. You know, people search for all, all, all their lives for many things. They search for money. They search for pleasure. They search for a dream job. They search for reputation. But there's no, they, don't, they, they search for all things, all these things, but there's no then that they, they can put their confidence in. At best, it's maybe then or, or, or for a time then. But here we have a then without any maybes and without any limitations. Simply, gloriously, then, then shalt thou understand. Then shalt thou find. What an encouragement this is as we, as we hear this call to wisdom. What hope it gives also in any situation, no matter what, what, what it is, no matter how challenging. I don't know what situations you are in right now in your life. We can maybe give some examples. Maybe, maybe your spouse has deeply hurt you. Maybe your children are straying. Maybe you've received a serious diagnosis. Maybe you need, you're, you're at a crossroads in life. You have to make a decision that, that will change everything. Maybe you're struggling with the, uh, the ungodliness at work around you, the co-workers or, or perhaps even bosses. Maybe you've witnessed a sin in a fellow Christian and, and you're not sure how to address it or even if you should address it. Maybe you've been accused of something you don't think you did. Maybe you have been made aware of a sin in your life, but you're, you're not sure how to overcome it. And you're wondering, what should I do? How, how can I live to the glory of God in this situation? Perhaps it's more general. Your problem is not a lack of wisdom in one specific situation here and there, but your problem is that your whole life is one big mass of foolishness, full of sin and misery. You've lived your life without any concern at all for wisdom. And maybe you're at a point now where you're wondering, is it worth it? How can, I, how can searching for it help me now? Can I even find it? Have I become too hardened in my own ways? Have I become too, too proud? Oh, listen, here's the promise. Then, if you seek for wisdom as silver and search for her as for hid treasures, then you shall find it. That's God's promise in our text. But, but notice how Solomon describes finding wisdom. The first thing he says is that then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord. You will understand the fear of of the Lord. Well, what is the fear of the Lord? It's really a deep awe and a reverence toward God. Out of a sense of His honor, out of a sense of His glory, out of a sense of His great majesty. That's what the fear of the Lord is. It's a good thing, congregation. The fear of the Lord is a good thing. It's the fruit of experiencing God's forgiveness. Psalm 130 verse 4 says, but there is forgiveness, speaking of God, there is forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. 
In this fear of the Lord, congregation does not make you run away from God, but it draws you closer to Him in holy awe and in loving submission. But what does it mean then to understand the fear of the Lord? Well, it means you will understand what it looks like in your own situation to glorify God. You will be able to discern what action bring, brings honor to God. And isn't this exactly what we need? If you are humbling yourself, if you are listening and praying for wisdom, if you are diligently searching for it, you will find this reward. You will understand the fear of the Lord. Do you understand this fear? Also, you young people, children, adults, the choices we are making in our lives will tell us whom we fear. The choices we make in our lives will tell us whom we fear, whom we serve. If we are only interested in knowing how to please ourselves or impress our friends, then, our, then, then we need to hear Paul's description of the unconverted in Romans 3 verse 18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's a serious thing. If there is no fear of God in our hearts, it means that we're guilty before God, we're in our sins. And unless we repent and put our faith in Jesus Christ, we only have death to look forward to. We only have hell. That's not what we want, is it? No, search for the wisdom of God and you will understand the fear of the Lord. What a blessing that is. It's life. It's not death. It's the opposite. Proverbs 14 verse 27 says, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. You see, there's only two choices in life, congregation. Young people, there's only two choices. It's either death, the snares of death, or it's the way of life. The fear of the Lord is the way of life. Oh, that we would understand that fear. We would search for wisdom. You would search for it humbly, listening for it, to it, prayerfully diligently. When you search for wisdom in that way, you will not only understand the fear of the Lord, you will also find the knowledge of God. That's what verse 5 says. What a reward, what a miracle that is to find the knowledge of God. It's not just knowledge about God. Children, you, you may know about a, a famous person by hearing about them or, or reading about them somewhere. You can't say that you know them personally, at least most, in most cases. You can't. But, but, but that's not the kind of... The, the kind of knowing of God here is, is not the knowing about God, just it's know, knowing of God. It's having a personal relationship with Him, a relationship of love and, and peace through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, through union with Christ. It's a knowledge of God that is expressed in loving and obeying God. And when you found that, beloved, that's wisdom, the knowledge of God. Have you found, have you discovered wisdom? Do you have a personal relationship with God? Do you know Him? And as Christians, are, are you increasing, are we increasing in the knowledge of Him? We never arrive in this life. We never arrive. It is our calling as Christians to in, be increasing in the knowledge of God. In order to do that then, our text is saying we must be searching for wisdom, humbly listening to it, prayerfully praying for it, and being diligent in it. 
The promise is that we will find the knowledge of God. Maybe you're thinking, now wait a minute. Isn't the fear of the Lord, isn't the knowledge of God a gift of grace? But you're saying here that it's, 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 it's promised upon our seeking. Well, yes, that's what the text says. But what then does God have to do with it? Everything. Here we come to our third point, the giver of wisdom. Why are we to search for wisdom? Why can we have hope and confidence that we will find it? Look at verse 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. Out of his mouth come knowledge and understanding. In, in, in the original, the, the, the Hebrew here puts the focus, the emphasis on the Lord. The Lord gives wisdom. The reality is, congregation, that if it was up to us, we would never find wisdom. No one searches humbly. No one listens well enough. No one, no one prays for it or, or search, searches diligently for it enough. We don't. The most diligent seeker of wisdom still stumbles around like a man in a deep cave without a light left to himself. Job 28 verse 13 tells us that wisdom is not found in the land of the living. In other words, it's not found in creation or in the creature. You can't, if you try and look for it there, it'll be useless. But, but then Job says later on in, in, the, in, in verse 21 that wisdom is hidden even from the eyes of all living. What does that mean? That means it's not even enough to search for wisdom in God. Indeed, wisdom is found with God, but that's, that's not enough for us, for you and me to be truly wise. We need something else. We need the Lord to give it to us. We need His grace, you see. If finding wisdom is dependent on our hard work, we may as all, well, all as well just go home and give up. But it's not. This is the glorious message, the gospel message of our text. The Lord gives wisdom. What an encouragement that is. Just consider who it is who gives wisdom. It is the Lord, the all-sufficient God. He is the overflowing fountain of all good, including of all wisdom. He possessed wisdom before creation from everlasting. He has every right to wisdom. He doesn't need to give it away. It's not as if by his giving us wisdom, he gets something in return that sort of benefits him. No, no. He has everything. He is self-sufficient, all-sufficient. And yet it is this Lord, this sovereign God who chooses to give wisdom to foolish creatures like you and like me. What's more, he doesn't reluctantly just give us a few crumbs of wisdom. James 1 verse 5 says that if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and upbraids not, doesn't reproach, doesn't rebuke, and it shall be given him. God is generous with his wisdom. He can afford to be because he is the wellspring of wisdom. He'll never run out of it, you see. He's God. God never rebuked Solomon for asking him for wisdom. And he won't rebuke you. He won't rebuke me. He loves to give wisdom. Do you lack wisdom? 
And come to him, all you who have no wisdom in yourself. Come once and come again and again all your life long. God delights to give wisdom. His word declares it. But maybe you think, well, what about all the times I've messed up? What about all the times I've made foolish choices? What about all the times that I've just, I've just ignored his wisdom and did it my way? How can a just and a holy God just give wisdom to me? Here's how. Through Christ and him crucified. He is the hidden wisdom of God. Ordained before the world by which sinners are reconciled to God. By which they are brought into favor with God. Through him. God has given Christ for you, dear believer. And in him, in Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And, and, and the word of God declares that if Christ, if God has given us Christ, how shall he not with them also freely give us all things, including also wisdom? He gives. He gives wisdom. He is the Lord. But how does he give wisdom? Well, our text, our text says, out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. What does that mean? What does it mean? That the Lord gives wisdom out, out of his mouth. It means that he gives wisdom, congregation, by his spirit and words. Children, we can use our mouth for, 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 those, for, for two things, right? Breathing and speaking. And other things too, but breathing and speaking. And in the Bible, the word for breath also refers to the Holy Spirit. It's actually the same word uh, in the original. And what does the Holy Spirit have to do with wisdom then? Well, he is a spirit of wisdom. Isaiah 11, verses 1 to 2, describes him as the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. The prophecy, it's a prophecy there, and it's speaking of Christ, how the spirit of wisdom rested on him. But the same spirit, you see, is the one whom the Father and the Son now ascended in glory, has promised to give, has promised to give. Oh, how encouraging that is. Solomon couldn't give wisdom to his son. We can't give wisdom to our children. We can't even give wisdom to ourselves. Praise God. There is a greater than Solomon. Jesus Christ. And he can give wisdom to you. To me. To our children. Through his spirit. And again then. The call is if you need wisdom. Then to come to God in Christ. To come to him in Christ and to pray as, as Paul did for the believers in Ephesians 1. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, he prayed, the Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Pray that. Pray that for yourself. Pray that for, for us as a church. Pray that for others, your family. The prayer for the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom, is a prayer the Lord loves to answer. He gives wisdom by giving us His Holy Spirit. But we also use our mouths for speaking, don't we? Just as out of our own mouths come both breath and words, so out of God's mouth comes both the Spirit and the Word. And we should never, ever separate the two. 
We should never separate the Spirit of the Lord from the Word of the Lord. The Spirit will never tell you. The Spirit of the Lord will never tell you to do something contrary to His own words, to the Bible. His Word, read and preached, is what He uses to give wisdom, both the initial wisdom, the wisdom unto salvation, and and also the ongoing wisdom we need for the working out of our salvation to the glory of God. And so even as you are praying for the Holy Spirit and asking, Lord, give me wisdom in this particular situation, don't forget to go to the Word. Don't neglect His Word. The person who is truly filled with the Spirit of wisdom is not the person who is coming up with new ideas about God, new ideas about religion, or new ideas about how to glorify God. The person who is filled with the spirit of wisdom is the person who is constantly filling himself or herself with the word of God. It doesn't mean you need to go to seminary or become a pastor or a theologian. It doesn't mean you need to spend every waking moment of your day reading the word. No, of course not. God gives us callings in life. And some people may have more time than others to spend in the word. But it does mean that the Word needs to be central in our lives, that we feed on it as it were. It means that God's Word must be our guide for ourselves and for our families. How thankful we should be that God has not only given us His Spirit, He has given us His Word. If you love wisdom, love God's Word. Congregation wisdom That skill of living for God, living for His glory in all of our circumstances, applying His Word to our lives is essential for life. You cannot live without it. Do you have it? And are you growing in it? There's only one one way to have it and to grow in it. It's through faith in Jesus Christ and through following after Him, trusting and following Him. He is the wisdom of God. So dear young people, especially I speak to you because Proverbs especially speaks to young people. Seek the Lord Jesus Christ. Follow after Him. Don't listen to the wisdom of the world. It will not lead you to life. It will lead you to death. Listen to the Word of God. Not just young people, but all of us. And don't reject Christ, but come to Him and find in Him all the wisdom you need. Amen. Let us pray.